Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Double drill deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! Welcome in its episode 8, Tommy Caroselli, alongside Real 7, Costanza 7. Uh, our last episode before the All-Star break, what's going on my man? Chip, chip, cheerio. Uh, big <laughs> series across the pond, a lot of runs, a lot to get into here today, but... Yeah, we got a lot of baseball ahead of us this week, right before the break. So excited to forecast what's going on and just recap what happened this past weekend. Yeah, uh, let's just so let's go right into the London series. Um, you know, in, in back when Jordan was on the pod, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, Fifty runs in two games. Uh, <laughs> did did the London series? I'm just gonna make. I'm gonna leave this super broad. Did it live up to your expectations? It did, and then some. Absolutely. Um, I Because I, I remember being a very like outspoken critic of this before we even had a game there. So when I watched both these games, they were marathons, but they were probably two of the most exciting baseball games I've seen all season. It also doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt that you guys swept it for your expectations. Oh. Well, yeah, obviously that. I mean, if I'm gonna be selfish, that, that was probably the reason why I was so like into it. But yeah, no, this was uh, definitely a far cry from what I expected. So I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, just a random thing that I that kind of got on my nerves as I was watching it. What did you think of both teams in white? I hated that. That's one Me thing too. I really hated. Um, it's we talked about it even before, like a few episodes back. But the Red Sox getting robbed of those two home games, like just kick them while they're down right Dude. yeah exactly exactly and you let the yankees wear pinstripes yeah um <laughs> what were uh so so 65 hits between the two teams 50 runs between te- between the two teams saturday the longest yankees red sox game to ever be played between the two historic clubs i, I mean just what a wild little two-game set yeah, this. I mean, I mean if, if you're a fan of baseball, this was everything you wanted and more. And when I say fan of baseball, I mean like fan of scoring. Because if you were a pitcher, this was an absolute fucking nightmare if you, were, <laughs> if you had to take the mound this series. So, but yeah, for the, for the casual fan, for the Brits over in London who don't know what they were watching, this must have been fireworks for them. So, so let me ask you this. When you look at this weekend, how do you think Rob Manfred looks at it? Because the scoring was up, which he likes, but it was also the longest game between the two teams. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was watching this with uh, my dad, and he he had the same kind of uh, the same critique of that. You know, they want to shorten the games, and we ended up having like two almost five-hour games. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think for him, to your point, the scoring was so high that I think it really masked all the pace of play issues because it wasn't one of those games where it was like one nothing going into the seventh but it was dragging because pitchers are you know scratching their ass and batters taking two seconds every time (laughs) after a pitch um there i mean there were runs it seemed like every other second so i think that masks it and i think that helps for us as the fans to be that keeps us engaged right that first inning on saturday took an hour but there was 12 runs scored and i'll say the the over hit in the first inning yeah, and I, and I bet the over. And I was gonna say, was, I was, I was gonna say, you've been saying it all week. Bet the over. Did you bet him? I did. Yeah. There you <laughs> I go. I didn't bet the second game. I didn't bet the second game. I gotta say that I was so nervous. Just like I'm like, there's no fucking way these two teams can do this again. <laughs> so I stayed far away from it. Um, I'm. I kind of wish I did, but yeah, I would have been sweating that one out a little bit. But yeah, the, the first game, I bet the over. So you mentioned how how shitty it was to be a pitcher this week. Both bullpens 
with an all-time bad. Yankees, a 7-6 ERA in 45 innings, 38 Ernie's, 13 walks, opponents hitting 349 against them. The Red Sox, just as bad in those same 45 innings, 8.60 ERA, 43 earned runs, 21 walks, opponents hitting 326 against them. Both of those are good for last in the league. What do these teams need to do? Do you see either of these guys making a move at the deadline to get a bullpen arm? Yeah, for, for the Red Sox, absolutely. Um, they have to, right? Because their whole team is is centered around this offense. And if they're going to make a run, and, and it's starting to become sink or swim for them, if they're going to make a run, they need to be able to have someone reliable in that bullpen. Um, I, I don't know who it was. I, I, I Sharwin or he, he was Charmin soft. He gave up more runs <laughs> than I, 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 I don't know what was going on. It was ridiculous, but I saw people I've never heard of pitching those games for the Red Sox. I know Walden and Barnes and a few of the other guys, but like some of these guys coming in, like Nestor a, Cortez jr. Gave up five Ernie's in, yeah. in the 17, 13 game. Yep. Uh, yeah. ERAs were not, a fun stat if you're a pitcher <laughs> in this series. And I think it's funny when we look at the 45 innings between these two teams in that small sample size, I think that has a lot to do with why it's so bloated. But still, the Yankees to be in this kind of group because everyone talks about how good their bullpen is, right? This is They're shaped by this identity of having a power bullpen. And they haven't really found their footing in the last week or so. They've had some issues. I know they've been winning games, so that seems to cover up a lot of the issues we're seeing with these numbers that are presented to us, but the Red Sox, we've heard it all year. Um, and for the most part, they've actually pitched better than we keep giving them credit for. Um, but yeah, the, the, this last week to have almost a nine ERA and to give up 43 earned runs, the 21 walks is what's most concerning to me. I would say that, the walk numbers are, are atrocious. Yeah. And, and especially for a bullpen um, for starters, not that walks are good anyway, but when you think about bullpen arms, you're pitching, you know, one inning max most of the time, unless it's a London game where you're asked to do a little bit more. But yeah, uh, yeah, the walks for me, that that's what jumps out at me because those earned runs, you're putting runners on for free. You're not letting them swing the bat. You're just putting them on. So 21 walks, 43 earned runs. There's a correlation there for sure. Um, so, you know, if I had to throw out you 18 innings in London, how many guess would you guess? That we saw four runs or more in how about half innings? Um, half innings. Let's see. I'll say eight, seven. Wow, sound close. Good guess. That was <laughs> yeah. a real good guess. I mean, anytime you're six six after one. Yeah, I've seen. I've literally seen slow pitch softball games with less scoring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know. So. I mean, uh, official attendance at London Stadium for that first game was 59,659. Let's say of that, I'm going to round up to 60,000. How many do you think knew what the fuck was going on? Uh, I'd say probably like, I'd say about 45, 50%. I think a lot of them were expatriates from the states that are now living in London or Europe uh, that had an opportunity to go see a baseball game. So I, I, I think there was a lot of baseball fans there that actually knew what was going on. But I think it is funny when you think about all the Brits that didn't know what they were watching. Uh, Joe Buck had a stat. I think they brought in between six and 700 people, volunteers, to sit at the game and, and teach the British audience what was going on. That's kind of cool. So I thought that was a pretty cool deal. I would have loved that job. Uh, so maybe oh, next yeah. year you and I can get our press passes and we'll sit there Let's in the stands. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, so, so so that kid is Trevor Bauer. He's a psycho. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, he flies drones. Um, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it was definitely a, a, a mixed bag of what people knew what they were watching and the Red Sox or Red Sox and Yankees fans that were actually there enjoying it. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's um, I think it was actually really funny, and, and this was also on the telecast. They had to go over the PA to remind fans that if a home run or a foul ball is caught by the fans, they can keep the ball. Because I guess in cricket, when the ball is out of play, they have to throw it back. So well, it's funny you say that because in the in the uh, the Japan series, um, in batting practice, you can't keep the ball. 
unless a player intends for you to keep uh, have a baseball, you have to give it back. Huh. So like people were like catching home runs in batting practice and like there's these like uniformed officers that come and like make sure you give the baseball back. Oh, really? I didn't know that yeah. at all. I'll send you a, or I'll see if we can post the video to uh, the breakdowns Twitter and I'll send it to you. But yeah, it's actually really really interesting cuz like Ichiro's hitting home runs in batting practice and people are like their life got made and like here comes this guy in like uh like a police looking uh uniform and He's like, oh, give it back. So they like, can I take a selfie with it qu- real quick? And they take a <laughs> selfie with the ball and drop it back on the field. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if Absolutely it's like the same. Absolutely wild. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's the same thing with cricket, but I I think it was hilarious uh, that one, the ground rule double that LeMahieu hit in Sunday's game in uh, that nine-run inning. The, the guy that caught the ball... I, like he was probably pushing like mid fifties, early sixties, but the joy on his face holding that ball, and he had <laughs> he was double fisting beers, and he had like the baseball, and he was so happy. It, he looked like Harry Potter after he caught caught the snitch. It was <laughs> it was the best, and I'm like, you know what? Good for him. That, he just had the day of his life, and yeah. he doesn't even know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um. <laughs> You know what? You know what bothered me the most that and they kept showing it and it made a, made its rounds on the internet was the the half jerseys. The one dude had the half oh. half Yankees, half Red Sox hat. Yeah. Um. That annoyed me to no end. Yeah, that was disgusting. And I so here I'll give if they were actually like you know didn't know what was going on, they didn't know any of the history between the teams. I'll give them somewhat of a pass. But, I mean, if you're Major League Baseball and you're designing these shirts and you're giving these out, like, what the fuck, man? Like, that – I'm sorry, but that's, like, disgusting. The only way well, they so, could have made it so, worse is if they gave, like, the Mets the fucking shoulders or something on those shirts. <laughs> so I'm going to go in a different direction, though, because, I, I, like, if I'm going to the game, like, I might buy a shirt. Let's say, let's say I'm, a, I'm just a – Let's just take it to a different uh, – uh, there's cricket at Progressive Field next week. Okay, let's just pretend. Mm-hmm. If there's cricket at Progressive Field and I might buy a shirt and it's like, oh, American Cricket Series and it's got both the team's logos on it, I'll buy that. But I'm not going to buy a jersey that's split down the middle. I'm going to buy. I'm gonna go in there and pretend like I've been a lifelong fan of the West London – lasers i don't know um and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna so i'm gonna so adamantly root for the lasers and, and pretend like i'm a lifelong fan right <laughs> like, but you wouldn't sh- have the lasers and the beams on the same shirt right exactly exactly and also like apologies to anyone who knows what cricket is we don't know any of these teams so i'm looking literally... up i'm looking up a cricket team right now okay so the laser and the, and the beams we don't know if that's real definitely not but um, but yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I, so that's that was my criticism with it. If you're gonna go to the game, and you th- pick a side, right? Just exactly pick a fucking side, and don't have this shit. Like you have to understand, even as an outsider, these are two of the most franchised and history teams, and like you have to understand they hate each other. So why would you try to like just act dumb and wear something like that? And maybe they really don't know, but I have a hard time believing that the build-up to this game, you didn't do a little bit of research to understand what was going to be played in your city, to understand how much these teams hate each other. Just exactly. A, it's a quick five-minute history lesson, and you could find I, it on Google. And I, and I feel like if it's that big of an event to the city of London, which maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, um, I feel like some local news station had to have been like, the Yankees and the Red Sox are playing, and hey, this is actually kind of a big rivalry. So, yeah, you know, unless you want to get roasted on the internet, maybe just pick one side <laughs> and stick to it. Well, you have to think too for that type of like, especially the soccer teams there. I'm sorry, football over there. Uh, forgive me, but with Man U and Liverpool, you would never see anything like that, right? That I mean, people yeah, like, exactly, over there over exactly. That shit, so. Like it's a slap in the face to baseball when you put a fucking mockery up there. Just a bunch of wankers over there. A bu- bunch of wankers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still haven't found what a good, what a specific cricket team that's just like besides like London cr- or England cricket, Bangladesh cricket. So like, let's pretend that England line. Yeah, I, I guess, but like it's just yeah. international teams. Like it'd be like Team USA versus Team whatever. All right. Yeah. 
<laughs> that aside, <laughs> um, can we talk about how Angel Hernandez got booed? Oh yeah, that's so, I don't care. The I don't best. Give a shit. This this was the best part because they uh, they heard you heard it too, and they announced it uh, over the PA over there. Uh, they announced the crew chiefs and and the umpires, and they got to Angel Hernandez, and there was a resounding distaste for him, which was awesome. So I I don't care if they knew what they were booing or who they knew they were booing, but. I will give the British crowd a lot of props on that one. That's amazing. Get this man out of the fucking league. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Sussex County Cricket Club against Lancaster Cricket Club. Man, uh, you can count me as the biggest Sussex County fan you know. Oh. Just... I don't know, I think my Lancaster crickets are... Not crickets, Jesus Christ, I'm already fucking this (laughs) up. The Lancaster crickets... (laughs) Oh, oh seven. We've gone off the rails at an alarming rate. We have. <laughs> yeah, we definitely did. Maybe we need all cricket right, in the states. I think we do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's recenter here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> future London and international play. The Cubs and the Cardinals will head across the pond for some tea and crumpets next year. Uh, can we expect as many runs to be scored in this Mickey Mouse Stadium they built? I can't imagine this. I think, I don't know if the balls were juiced, and I heard um, Mendoza and Rodriguez on Sunday's telecast, they kept talking about, like, the the air pressure or some shit, but I don't think it's going to... Major League Baseball has enough insight to understand what to do to make this a level playing field, um, quite literally, like, make center field farther. Um, I... I don't. I was say the corners, like we, we talked about the, the the dimensions of the ballpark. The corners were three thirty. Yeah, they were fine. Which is more of a real ballpark than Yankee Stadium, right? But when you go to de- three eighty five to dead center, it just it can't happen. Yeah, and we saw it in play right away in that first inning. We I mean, exactly, that, and you knew after that they were just going to start fucking teeing off the center, and it didn't take long for that to unfold. That was a storyline that a lot of people kind of had an eye on, just. They wanted to see how that would play out. We saw it play out within the first 15 minutes of that game. So it, it definitely has to be changed, in my opinion, to be representative of more of the traditional ballpark. And I think if humidity or air pressure or flow or any of that had anything to do with why the ball was jumping so far and so frequently, I think they'll have a way to combat that a little bit. Um, I'd have to imagine, unless, you know, for this London series – because we're still getting fans to appreciate the game. And obviously we know that chicks dig the long ball and Brits dig the long ball. So maybe they won't do anything. <laughs> and before you know it, we're just going to have a light show every June in London. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brits did the, dig the long ball. Did you just think of that? That's a good one. I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, how much do you think? If, I don't know. Do they shake hands after soccer games? Or matches, football matches, because I feel uh, like it would, I feel like it probably threw off the fans. Because I like I had the game the uh, Saturday highlights just up on YouTube while while we were talking about it, and then I it got to the end and the Yankees obviously shaking it up with themselves. I feel right. like it might have thrown them off, thrown off the Brits uh, a little bit. That you know, oh, they don't shake hands at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but well, that jolly over, lad over there, he's a homer. Why isn't he shaking the other man's hand? Tell him that good man game, really chap. Walloped that one. Oh, put a big bludgeon on that one. Straight out to center field. Center court. Center pitch. Center pitch in its high um, so and deep. We've talked a lot of shit about that stadium, but yeah. they they put up a full-ass baseball stadium in 24 days. I think that's actually commendable. Yeah, Granted, no, there, I mean, there's, there's soccer played there, but they made that thing look damn near like an actual baseball stadium in 24 days. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think uh, it, it was awesome, right? It, the amount of time it takes to build a stadium now, I mean, Christ, I guess you can put stadiums all, all over the world at this point. Um, yeah. I'm not going to complain. I think it was cool. I'm, I'm all for the international games now. We're going to get a, the type of turnout that we did for this series. Yeah, so I'd rather have this where, you know, you have 60,000 show up and you get a uh, – whether it's a good baseball game or not – um, I'd rather have that than like the NFL goes to London and like the seats are kind of half filled, like yeah. like three quarter filled, and you got and like it's not again, it's not like we saw with the NFL in London. There weren't people in Padres and Rockies jerseys everywhere. Oh no, like, I saw like, a the few. NFL. 
Really? I didn't, I didn't notice it, I guess. Yeah, I, so they showed it on ESPN on Sunday's telecast. Of course, there was the token Mets guy. Um, but they had guys in, like, Phillies, Cubs. Uh, I saw a few others. But I, to your point, though, I didn't see a, a lot, right? It, there was there were always going to be a few oddballs in every crowd. Like, I feel like there's an Eagles fan at every NFC East game. Um, That's my biggest pet peeve Yeah. In uh, the in the sports world. If teams A and teams B are playing and you wear a team C jersey, I hate you. Just just <laughs> let it be known that I don't like you as a person. And you know what? You can go see your home team play when they come to town. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> let it be known. I hate you. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's just, you summed it up perfectly. Let it be known that Tommy hates you if you do not root for the teams that are playing. <laughs> And like, Love it. all right, no, I'm fine. Like, cause like my, like I, I go to, I, I've gone to pirates and brewers games as an Indians fan, but I don't go in there rocking chief Wahoo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. No, I hear you. For all sure. right, let's, let's move on. Uh, the Mets honor, I mean, our favorite punching bag, the Mets honor their 1969 team in, and they fucked this up too. Yep. This go is, ahead. Go off. Go no, off. This is great. I, I swear to God, Tommy, every fucking week when we put together this rundown, it's like, we're not even trying to do it anymore. So if you're a Mets fan and you listen, I'm sorry. Like, we're really not going out of our way at this point. They just do it to themselves. They were if, the honoring... Mets, if you're a Mets fan, I'm sorry for you being a Mets fan. That too. Like, again, <laughs> like, this is not, we have, I mean, we do not like the Mets, but we, it's more like we just love making fun of them. And <laughs> it's not even hard at this point that we're not looking for it right they come to like out of the woodwork with this shit every week now whether it's an internal thing with the team in the clubhouse whether they're having fight club in the dugout whether they are honoring the 1969 nice team they can't even get their fucking roster right so quick like spark notes here what happened they (laughs) were going through the team and they had a section for in memoriam or in memorial of, and of course, departed players were no longer with us. And they, only the Mets can do this. They put two players on the Jumbotron, Jim Goster and Jesse Hudson, saying, Dearly departed. Now, this might not be a big deal if both of them had indeed been departed, but they're alive and well. They just forgot to invite them <laughs> to the fucking ceremony. So, and I find this, A, incredibly disrespectful from the Wilpons and just everyone involved in that front office. No one could have checked that. No one could have fact-checked that. Uh, Hit up the dude's Wikipedia real quick. Yeah, like, just... Like, um, it's it's not in-depth research either. Right. I mean, I could go and type in the 1969 Mets on Wikipedia, to your point, and I could give you the roster, and it probably tell me who's alive and who's not yeah. on that one page. And for them to just have no attention to detail and to have that much oversight to not even check before they announce this. And, of course, their season's going as poor as it can anyway. But this was just like, like – this had nothing to do with them playing. This is just the Mets being the Mets. And there is a, a, a quote from Goster, and I felt bad for him. He, he tweeted out um, something just to – I don't have the exact tweet, but he tweeted out referencing that the Mets essentially forgot him. But he told reporters saying, quote, I didn't get an invite for that either, but then they recognize you for being dead. That's what really hurt. And that was a quote from Goster. It was a quote, that, quote from a living man. They recognize yeah, from, you for being dead. Man. Yeah, from a living man. So, <laughs> like – you know, <laughs> if, I mean, the the Wilpons are just, fuck. yeah, this is bad, man. And they also misspelled his name in the public apology on the Jumbotron. So they fucked it up twice in two days. Um, I just want to note that we will recognize Jim Gosker is not dead. Yeah, Jim, if not you're listening. Dead. Confirmed, not dead. Um, sticking, sticking with the Metropolitans. Uh, <laughs> we're recording on Monday. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> Oh my so, god! So seven. I, I I put this out on the breakdowns Twitter earlier today. I need to know uh, if you were given one point one nine million dollars every July first, what would be some of your first actions? Hmm. Well, if I knew I could count on that until two thousand thirty-five, much like Bobby Bonilla, 
I suppose I would invest a lot of it and be smart with it first, but the rest of it, I'd probably just go on extravagant vacations, have some amazing meals, and just kind of globetrot my way to retirement if I'm oh, not already I, there. Honestly, you got to be there. I mean, this is, uh, what, the, the the ninth Bobby Bonilla Day, correct? I believe that, our eighth. I think it's the eighth. Yeah, 2011 was when I first started. So this would be the eighth official Bobby Bonilla Day. I mean, <laughs> why the Mets are still on the book for $1.19 million until Bonilla turns 72. Well, so here's the other thing, too. And just go, going back to how dumb the Wilpons are, the reason they decided to go this route with the deferred payments is because he was advised to by Bernie Madoff. So that's all you need to know. A fucking Ponzi scheme is the reason why the Mets are paying Bobby Bonilla until he's 72. Bobby Bonilla will be getting paid after Bryce Harper collects his contract. Just let that sink in for a second. It's amazing. And we've gone through that quote before, but that's I have to hammer that home because this is the Mets. This, this is the other team that plays in New York that is just an absolute dumpster fire. CBS Sports created a bobblehead uh, to show Bonilla that who will – and it's a, the, he's in a walker, or he, he has a walker. <laughs> uh, he's wearing a Mets jersey. And he's very—he's clearly aged, and he's holding a, a a check the size of his body that says Bobby Bonilla, July first, twenty thirty-five on it. <laughs> you know what? If I was him, and just to rub it in the Mets' face a little bit more, I would get those giant checks. I would—I would pay whatever the fuck it costs to have a giant check, and send a picture in on or tweet a picture out of me holding that giant oh, check and tag absolutely. the Mets. Absolutely. Or have like Pat Sajak hand it to me, or something like that, just to really rub it in. I, and I, I don't know how he hasn't done that yet. See, you asked me what I want to do with my 1.19 million every year. Uh, that's top of the list. I want to make a giant check. You want a giant check, and you're gonna yeah. give Pat Sajak 500,000 to give it to me. Yeah, just to say, <laughs> hey, can you just hand this to me and give a thumbs up, and we're gonna tweet this right to the Mets. All right. So for those of you who don't know the cause of Bobby Bonilla Day. Uh, Bonilla first joined the Nets, the Mets in 91 as a free agent. He signed a five-year, $29 million deal. Uh, for the record, that made him the highest-paid player in team sports at the time. Uh, the Mets then traded him to the Orioles on the final year of the five-year deal, and then uh, he signed with the Marlins in 97. Uh, Bonilla rejoined the Mets in 99 via a trade after a couple seasons with the Dodgers and the, after the Marlins tore it down regardless. The Mets released Bonilla in January of 2000, even though they still owed him $5.9 million on his salary. Rather than accept the $5.9 up front, Bonilla uh, agreed to defer the money in exchange for 8% interest. In 2011, the first year Bonilla was paid under the deferment agreement, the 5.9 mil had grown to $29.8 million. <laughs> Spread that across 25 years, and you get $1.19 million annually on July 1st every year. Bobby fucking Bonilla will make an extra $23.9 million by waiting a decade for his first payment. You know what's Holy also great? Holy shit. He hasn't lived in New York since 1999. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's getting a check from New York every so, fucking year. So actually, I didn't know this. Uh, the deferred money deals are not uncommon. And there's plenty of players that receive deferred payments. Manny Ramirez are, is owed... 31 millions through 31 million dollars through 2027 for the Red Sox. Oh, okay. I think that's more fit. So, I have seen deferred payments in a lot of deals, especially uh, some of the, the more recent deals in free agency. But I think it's fair or more fair, I should say, when you're actively playing at the time of deciding for the deferred payment. Yeah. I uh, maybe that's just the common sense in me but i feel like if i'm going to do that i want to pay someone that's actually going to play for most of that contract and not someone who's been out of the league for two years already or no not two years sorry uh, he got start start getting paid in 2011 so he's been out, he of, out the of the league, league like nine for years 10 years yeah so 
I think in hindsight, if I'm the Mets, I'd pay that $5 million when I had the chance. Yeah, instead of just hitting this 1.19 on the books every July 1. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right, we mentioned this is our last episode before the All-Star game. Um, All-Star rosters announced, uh, I believe it was it was yesterday, yep. uh, they, they completed their rosters. Uh, what snubs did you have? So, I don't want to sound like a complete homer, but this one was just such a slap in the face. You and um, me talked about this. It, it, Luke Voigt, and I'm sorry sorry to cut you off. No, I was going Luke, there, so. Luke Voigt, it's, it's not really a snub. Or, I'm sorry, it is a snub. But it's not really homerism for you to say that. He deserves to be in the All-Star game. Right, and I I was, I was, wouldn't have so much of a problem with it if first base was like a super competitive position this year in baseball, uh, or in the AL, I should say. But it, it really hasn't been, right? No. You've had a few, like, good seasons, but, you know, are we, like, are you shitting me? Luke Voigt, his team has the best record in the American League at the time that we're recording right now. Uh, Luke Voigt's hitting 280. He has over 50 RBIs, good source of power. He's been the one constant, aside from LeMahieu and maybe Torres in that lineup that you can count on for, for slugging percentage and power and delivering. And he's a big reason why this team is where they are. When you look at just the rear view and think about how the Yankees are where they are, they've had so many injuries, and Voigt has been one of those constants and holding down that position, hitting the tool hole, really carrying the offense for some parts of the season, and for him to be snubbed for Dan Vogelbach of yeah. the Mariners. And and I don't want to take anything away from Vogelbach. I think he's had a nice season. Uh, he's been a nice surprise, but that's really what he is. He's a nice surprise. To say he's an all-star or he's more worthy of an all-star spot on this roster than Luke Voigt, I think is just asinine. I mean, Voigt's got a... a an on-base just shy of 400, and an OPS at time of recording literally a thousandth north of 900. So a 901 OPS, a 393 on-base. You mentioned the 280 average. You mentioned the 50 RBIs, 17 ding-dongs. I mean, this guy deserves to be in Cleveland. Yeah, and I didn't even like want to get to the other positions, and we talked about it, but like there's other snubs and – Gleyber Torres being one of them in my eyes, but I have an easier time with that because of the position with, there's been, you know, Lindor's having a great season, Correa before he uh, (coughs) broke his rib from a masseuse, Uh, Mm -hmm. he was having a great season, and Polanco deserves it, but, you know. I got another shortstop that I think got snubbed. Oh, yeah? What do you you think about Xander Bogarts? Oh, Jesus, I, yeah, you know, honestly, like, I hate to admit it, but Bogarts has probably been one of the best hitters in all of baseball this year. Yeah, I mean, he's, according to Fangraphs, has the second highest war behind Mike Trout. Really? So so how is this guy not it, uh, suiting up for the AL? You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, again, you know, that I don't know. And, and, you know, Lindor had an injury. He came back. He's played enough games where I think, you can make a determination on his all-star eligibility or status, so I don't have an issue with it. Polanco, though, I mean, shortstop in general has been a very... It's usually a shallow position. Um, it's been very competitive this year for for most parts. As a Cleveland fan, I don't want to admit this, but Lindor shouldn't be an all-star this year. He's 100% getting the nod because of the fact that the all-star game's in Cleveland, and he's right behind Baker Mayfield, the the most loved athlete in Cleveland right now. And, right. and maybe this is, you know, the, I, no, I'm, I'm going to dive too deep into the conspiracy, but he, I don't, <laughs> he, he shouldn't be an all-star period. Xander Bogart should be, if you're only going to keep carry two shortstops on the all-star roster, it should be Xander Bogart's. Yeah, well, I think he still has a shot to get in. Do they, are they still doing? And maybe I'm wrong. Um, they, I think they still have those last two spots. Do um, they? I, f- I, think I thought they this. Might. Was, I thought this was uh, the finalized roster. Oh wait, yeah, no, you're right. Never mind. I mean, I'm guessing someone could uh, bow out with an injury if it happens over the next week here. And, That's true. Yeah. You know, you, you obviously don't want that to happen, but right. It's possible, but yeah, I think I think to me Xander's the biggest snub. Any yeah. snubs in the NL that you're looking at? 
stuff for the NL, honestly, not too much uh, for me. And yeah, and, and I think it, the NL was when I looked at just the voting and who was on the ballot and the NL. Aside from maybe third base, most of those positions were pretty standard. There was nothing that jumped out that was like a, a neck and neck fight. Um, second base, and we talked about it last week a little bit. Ketel Marte and uh, Mike Mustakis. Glad both of those guys made it. I had both of them on my surprises that should are deserving to make it, and I'm glad Marte's starting. But other than that, the positions were pretty status quo uh, in terms of what you'd expect from that league. Nothing really jumps out at me. Yeah, um, I feel like I could make an argument for Max Muncy to at least be on the roster. Right. I feel like I could make an argument for Manny Machado to at least be on the roster because he's been hot lately. Um, but I, I'm not. I, I'm not passionate enough either way to make it to to sit here and bang the table and say Manny Machado or Max Muncy should be on the All Star team. No, not yeah. not like not like I am for. I'm ready to stand on the table for Xander Bogarts. Yeah, same way I am with Luke Voigt. I, I mean, the AL is just. I th- I think at it's least deep. It's very deep, and I I think the competition in the AL or just the amount of good teams in the AL is so deep compared to the NL. Um, so obviously the level of play is going to be a little bit different and especially coming down to these votes, whoever gets them that, I mean, that's why I think these position battles are so tight because it's really, it it really was a toss up for the outfield. Uh, if you look at shortstop, we talked about first base, of course, third base, even a lot of it is kind of up for grabs and that's just that one league. And those are, you know, that's, that's four positions right there. Yeah. Um, so when you look at how pitchers get in, how do you like that versus how the posi- other position players? Well, I mean, this year was different, but usually how the position players get in. Right. The, for, the pitching, the voting for the pitching is better. It, by There's no comparison. It's You're allowing the managers to vote on who should be on the roster, and that should be how it is anyway. You put way too much power into the fans for these position players and I tweeted it out today and basically to paraphrase when you think about it and we talked about it too Tommy but when you think about it when it comes down to a player who's going through arbitration ready for a big payday going into free agency even Hall of Fame consideration if you get snubbed an all-star position on one of these rosters because fans were just being idiots on their computers voting for the name they recognize that kind of screws over the player and it's and it yeah. really and not to say it's going to be a monumental shift because i think the the baseball writers should be smart enough to understand it but when there's a, a lot there and there's a lot that could have been there it really does affect our ability to understand who's worthy of what and free agency with the way it's been going for players Lately, I mean, this has to really be a kick in the balls if you're not making an all-star team. <laughs> Going like Luke Voigt is a great example, and I, I hate to keep hammering it home, but this guy came out of nowhere last year. He's going to be ready to get an arbitration soon, and if I'm him, and I know I had that as a bargaining chip when I'm looking for more money, playing for the Yankees, knowing I could probably get that money. Yep. I mean, they did it to Betances. They've been a little stingy lately with arbitration. This was this would have been a huge chip for him to push into the middle and say, I was an all-star and I came from nothing. And now he won't get that shot because, you know, they have to be represented by every team in this fucking game. And Dan Vogelbach, because of just process of elimination and fans voting, you know, snubbed him. Yeah. And I think, I think you could even make that argument, well... No, I'm actually not going to dive into that. I'd actually think, <laughs> I was going to say uh, the same thing with a lot of the voting going going towards Carlos Santana, but I think Santana is having a superior year to vote right now. Yeah, he is, and I have no problem with him starting or making the team. I just think in the long run, if we're looking at position battles that were close, that shouldn't have been close. First base, you can look at and say Voight probably should be in that all-star game Definitely. over Vogelbach. Definitely. Uh, a couple cool notes. 31 first-time all-stars this year. Uh, love that. Yeah. And uh, who do you like? AL and L. We talked about it briefly, but I love the AL. I think they just have more in their corner. Uh, there's more bats. 
the pitching might be a little shaky compared to the NL, but as we saw that just happened in London, sometimes good hitting can overcome good pitching. Very and true. And I think it could be a slugfest with this team. Um, do you miss the fact that, that this game means nothing now and it doesn't decide home field advantage anymore? I do. I think that actually gave it a little bit more of a reason to play Me hard. Too. Not, Me and, too. And especially because all, the other all-star games and other sports literally have always meant nothing. I mean, look at the Pro Bowl in, in the NFL. I was saying, look at, look at the NBA all-star game. It yeah. just turns into a dunk contest Yeah. where baseball, you always had the fact that these guys, I don't want to say they had to go out and compete, but they did go out and compete because it it meant something. Right. And it does actually mean something if you're playing for that home field advantage in the World Series, uh, especially uh, how we've seen these games kind of be dictated by home field in these recent series. So to have that not be at stake anymore, I don't like it. I really did kind of like the Midsummer Classic having a huge part or a huge role to play here. And it gives everyone on the team that reason to play harder anyway right if knowing that Definitely. hey like i want to represent the al no matter if i'm in it or not like this gives the al a shot and my team too potentially if we make a run to get to the postseason you're right it gives it gives these the players more reason to be engaged and as a fan that's all you want too if you're at the game to see these guys put forth their best effort instead of just trying to crank them out every at bat the only thing that i will point to um, as a positive for going away from this is if you are uh, like let's say the Astros or the Yankees or the Red Sox and you're deep in October you didn't have your uh, home field advantage for the all or for the World Series de- uh, determined because John Means got titted in the All-Star <laughs> game you know what I mean that's a good point too you, yeah you know because Tommy LaStella booted a ground ball now you can't uh, now you have to go on the road for game seven Right. No, that's a good point. But that's that's also, so to spin that again, that's also a reason why I have to change this voting system and the fans shouldn't be able to fucking vote because without them, you don't have John Means or fucking LaStella in this game. We need to make the all LaStella deserves it, I think. No, but I know. But my, I guess my point is like... No, I, I, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I completely I think, get what you're saying. I think this whole, every team needs to be represented... You know, participation trophies for the All Star Game. If it's going to mean something, like I, it should be the best players in the league that deserve to be there or there. And I shouldn't have said Listella. He was a bad example because because Trout's another angel. Vogelbach, but uh, Vogelbach or Austin Meadows. Yeah, Uh, Meadows having a good year. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of flaws with this, and I don't think we're close to getting to a resolution. But that's you know. That's what we have to look forward to, I guess. Hopefully they can fix it in the coming years. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on from that, uh, seven. both of our curtain calls kind of got called out last week by their respective <laughs> t- uh, parties. Blake Snell basically tells me to go fuck myself and go shoves 12Ks <laughs> um, and, and just says, here you go, Tommy, bang, 12, 12 of them down your throat. And as, as Jordan, we were talking uh, throughout the week, pointed out a lot of his sabermetrics and his uh uh i don't even know what the word to call all these advanced stats is the right word yeah are very comparable if not similar uh fip xfip sierra ground ball and fly ball percentage uh hard contact a lot of them are very very similar so maybe that was me overreacting but i think that's kind of what the curtain calls about right (laughs) because we're not i mean and i'm glad he pointed that out because it was an interesting way to look back at that and see why and there really is no answer other than what we kind of touched on with maybe the injury being a part of it but for the era to be that bloated even if those advanced metrics are comparable to where he was last year i still think there's something up there and there's no there's no hard data that i can pull from except for that era stat and perhaps him you know not knowing how to move furniture naked, but I, <laughs> like, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, maybe we read into it too much because he came out and basically gave you the middle finger in his yeah. last start, but I don't know if he's back. That's the thing. I need to see him put this together for three, four starts in a row, not 12 K's every time, but him pitching because this team go is, out and be the guy. Yeah. Like if you're going to be the guy, be the guy. Exactly. And this team in Tampa, there's still, they're still ma- they can make a run and, and get closer to that division for the division lead 
they're leading the wild card. Like, they need Blake Snell to be Blake Snell. They can't have him be the shell of himself or the Snell of himself. Yeah, there you go. But in all seriousness, they need him to pitch like he did in his last outing more consistently. And maybe it was the injury. Maybe he's feeling better. Or maybe he somehow heard our podcast and said, fuck you, Tommy. And that was all the motivation he needed. Definitely. Uh, so you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the Phillies last week. They had a pretty decent week. They they uh, over the last ten, they're still five and five, but they're hanging around in that NL East. Yeah, this uh, I mean the NL is the level of competition between these teams. I feel like there's really no team that's going to be able to pull away aside from the Dodgers. There's really no team in the National League in general that looks leaps and bounds better than any other. And this division in particular is just kind of proving my point. The Braves, I, I think, are better than the Phillies, but the Phillies were 1-9 at the time of our recording last episode. They are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but the big thing to take away here is that they're over 500. They're 5.5 out of the division. I think they are... They're tied for that second wildcard yeah, spot. Yeah, they're tied right with the Rockies for that second wildcard spot. So they have some juice right now. They are back in second place. Uh, the Nationals are still right on their ass, but yeah, maybe I was a little presumptuous to say hit the panic button, but I still will stand by this. I don't They're hovering th- over it. Yeah, I, I don't think that the Phillies are a great team. I think they're a decent team, but I don't think that this team can sustain... And they can't be Jekyll and Hyde like this all year. They need to be able to put together a run. And I don't think they have it in them. I don't think Harper is a player that you can mold a team around just because of his streakiness. He's so hot and cold. Um, Real Muto hasn't really lived up to his billing as the best offensive catcher in the league. You have some other pieces that just haven't fallen into place yet. I still think the Nationals are a better team, and I still think that's because of their pitching, and they have an identity that they can play to. The Phillies don't. They're just a a mismatch of free agent stars come together, and we'll hope it works. I need to see more from this team, and maybe they'll you know give me the middle finger again next week, and after the All-Star break, they'll go on like a 10-game streak, but... I need to see them be more consistent, and that's what I've been hammering pretty much all season. So until I see that, I'm still I'm not hitting the panic button yet. So Philly, uh, sorry if I called you out last week, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not wavering on my claim that you need to show me more. So speaking of consistency, in the NL Central right now, you got two teams at the top that are tied uh, in record. But one has been significantly more consistent than the other. Mm-hmm. The Cubs are a – you got it right here, a plus 64 run differential, while the Brewers are a minus four. The Brewers, to me, I'm not sold on what they're they're bringing to the table yet. Yeah, and that really goes to show you just how valuable Christian Yelich is, right? That, that, yeah. that's, this is why he is the most valuable player, the reigning most valuable player in – Quite possibly he's going to get it again. If the Brewers make the postseason, it's going to be because of Yelich. Because to have a minus four run differential and be tied with the Cubs, who have 68 more runs scored in favor of their – like that's ridiculous to me. There's There should be no reason why this is a tied division right now with these two teams. By looking at just the numbers, the Cubs should have over 50 wins at this point. That they don't is astonishing, but the Brewers to be hanging around, that just shows you Christian Yelich and the type of power he can bring to that lineup. And for for one player out of nine in that lineup to be able to deliver like this night in, night out, that just goes to show you how valuable this guy is. And it seems like the Brewers are, I mean, we, we, talk, we joked about it earlier with CeCe Sabathia when he came over the Brewers in 08 and just put the team on his back. Yelich is doing that for the second year in a row for a whole season. So, yeah. I, I mean, it, it speaks volumes to the type of player he is. And you know what? You mentioned that he, he might win the MVP in any other year. I'd be all in on it. But your boy, Bellinger. Oh, yeah. He's he's going to take that from him. Stud, yeah. No, I mean, if it was any other year, I agree. I just think if the Dodgers, yeah, you know, that's another discussion as we get closer to awards. But it's so neck and neck right now. Um, but, yeah, Yelich is... 
Definitely the MVP of the Brewers. I will give right now. The only thing that he is edging Bellinger in is on base percentage and slugging percentage. Hmm. Everything else, Bellinger's got him. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 unreal the year he's having right now. Yeah, he's out of his mind right now. Uh, hey seven, how's your how's your uh, fantasy season going? I've actually been struggling quite a bit lately, so. It might be time for me to hit the panic button on my own team. Step into my office. So if you're like me and Seven, and you're tired of playing season-long fantasy, uh, whether you're uh, killed by injuries or you just flat-out suck at season-long fantasy, you should check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a new prop bet-based daily fantasy game, and the concept's really, really simple. So you're going to choose an over or under for a player's given statistics, like Blake Snell's earned runs, or Michael Chavis, like he tore it up in London this week. Uh, you're going to take the over on his runs plus RBIs if they're playing in that sandbox over the across the pond. Uh, and you're going to want to combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night. And if you do, you cash in. So Thrive Fantasy is located in the Apple and Google Play Store, and for the month of July, receive a free $10 match when you deposit $10 through PayPal. So whether you're looking for two $2 games, $5 games, $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. Be sure to use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N, and receive $10 free when you deposit 10 through PayPal. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us. And uh, that brings us to our batter's box for the week. Uh, seven, your guy, DJ LeMayhew. Go ahead. Yeah, I have been kind of waiting for us to talk about him a little bit more at length, but I've been cautious about it because I always want to see my... I hate to jinx my Yankees, but I think I'm safe to talk about him at this point. He, at this point right now, and we talked about MVPs of teams, DJ LeMayhew is the MVP of the Yankees, might be the MVP of the American League at this point as we approach the Midsummer Classic because what he's been doing is out of this world leading the AL and average with 345 108 hits to this point his average with runners in scoring position the clutch factor hitting 486 on the season Sheesh. and when he has runners on with two outs he's hitting 441 right second in RBIs with 61 trailing only 62 in that top spot and he has just outstanding bat-to-ball skills. He has a 14-game hitting streak at the time of this recording right now. Ten of those 14 games have been multi-hit games. He's played four different positions, second base, third base, first base, outfield for a little bit. I mean, he's a Swiss Army knife. You can put him anywhere, and he's still going to deliver. And I said it, he's been the MVP of the first half for the AL. And I don't, I don't think that there's a strong case against that Unless your name is Mike Trout, but yeah, unless your name is Mike Trout, but like you said, it's hard. I mean, I'm looking at the league leaders right now. You're going, so you're going back on Joey Gallo now. I think I am, and it, the reason is just I I love Gallo's season for the most part, but I don't see that clutch factor with Gallo that I'm seeing with Lemayhew, and I think when we talk about most valuable, because anyone can hit, right? Anyone can put these high numbers up for average but to do to hit almost 500 on the year when you have yeah that's than, gross like that's and we're talking a big sample size here that's just ridiculous to be able to move around and play different positions and not have it throw off your ability to hit and all the multi-hit games he's had i mean there's this guy is just he's a machine and there's no getting around it when we talk about mvp and we had this discussion a few episodes ago, but when we talk about it, we're thinking of the most valuable player in terms of the value to the team, but also the value to the league. And this guy gives you a reason to watch him every night. You know, it's wild to me that DJ LeMayhew is not just now coming on as the superstar that I think he is. Like like you said, he won the batting title in 2016 with, with Colorado. Yeah. And yet... He's only made two All-Star games. Um, he only finished, or in 07, he finished 15th in MVP voting. That's the only time he's shown up on the ballot. Mm-hmm. LeMahieu's been a consistent player, and, and I think is deserving of some more, some more love than we're giving him. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting, too. He signed for two years, and I want to say like between 25 and 30 mil. 
So the ROI the Yankees are getting on this 24. Guy, yeah, okay, yeah, so, I mean, the yeah. ROI that you're getting on DJ LeMahieu right now, potential MVP candidate, uh, out of control, if I'm Brian Cashman, like, that you have to get exec of the year for finding this guy. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, he also, when they signed him, they had, they had envisioned Andujar playing every day in this lineup. And, of course, with him going down, LeMahieu's pressed into everyday action, but for him to answer like this, because he did win a batting title, and we kind of forget that in 2016, not too long ago, you know, the, the guy's shown that he can hit, and I know a lot of people and critics were, would say that he played in Colorado, so we have to kind of regress to what that means outside of Colorado, but he's Yeah, but right now his, his batting average is three points lower than it was when he won that batting title. Right, and I, and I think we're seeing now that maybe this guy is just that good of a hitter, and to your point, maybe he's just blossoming into a superstar a little later. And if he fi- if he finishes this year over 300, it'll be his fourth season in his nine-year career where he finishes with a batting average above 300. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. The guy... He's just a good hitter, and he reminds me. Uh, like he kind of reminds me a little bit like Jeter in his approach to the plate. Like he's hmm. not a huge power guy. He has that sweet inside-out swing, can spray it to right field, but that clutch factor, man. This is just your dream if you're I was a manager. Saying, that's unheard of right now. Yeah, it's I've never seen anything like it. Um, at least I haven't seen anything like it this on this level of consistency that he's showing. I've seen like spurts of it, obviously, but you know, over the first three months to be hitting almost 500 in in those positions is just yeah, that's ridiculous. All right, um, moving on to our call of the pen, and unfortunately, it's a little bit of a somber one. Uh, news coming out today, Monday, that Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs has passed away at the age of 27. Um, so, kind of in not really a a highlight a guy's performance, but. Uh, sort of an in memoriam call to the pen because uh he's he's getting called to heaven's pen today and and our thoughts and prayers are with tyler skaggs uh skaggs not a long career uh as he only uh has been in the league uh since 2012 broke in with arizona and then uh has been an angel for the last five what what were your thoughts uh, on tyler skaggs as as a pitcher so for skaggs like i Again, it's super sad news, but I never got to really see him a lot, and just maybe that's because I'm on the East Coast. But when I did see him pitch, he reminded me a lot of like a Dallas Keuchel um, kind of control type of guy. And I thought for when I did see him, he always looked to be in control of uh, on the mound. He, I never saw him really blow up. He had decent stuff, and he seemed to be putting everything together this year. In particular, uh, last year pitched really well, and he definitely looked like he was starting to figure it out on the mound. But I can say this: I think, obviously, with how sad of the news is, and we just we have the highlights that we can look at to see how good he really was. But for a guy to be taken at this young of an age, um, you know, really starting to get his grip on the sport and start to blossom before our eyes obviously just heartbreaking news and our thoughts and prayers were out to his family and, and the angels and, and just everyone in baseball. Yeah. Uh, you know, Skaggs was a guy that, that I always looked at and, and thought, uh, when this guy gets out of Anaheim, he's going to be a stud. Yeah. And I just kind of felt that, that he was a guy he never really, uh, never really came into his own. Like, like I kept, I keep going using the word, uh, blossom, or like you, you kept using it blossoming. Um, you know, never broke a four ERA, but I felt like he just had the stuff. And you know, we're not going to speculate on on what it is. Just the fact of the matter is, it's it's a young athlete gone way too soon. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at his advanced numbers right here, and he was pitching comparable to you know someone that was definitely starting to figure it out. His FIP this year. Uh, I was just going to point to that. His yeah. his FIP. His FIP is was not comparable, or was was indicative of something of somebody ready to break out. Yeah, for sure. So just absolutely devastating news. Um, so we'll never know what could have been, but obviously the Angels are going to be playing with some heavy hearts uh, the rest of this season, and rightfully so. But 
you know, I, I wish, you know, we had more time to see what could have been with Skaggs, but uh, just, again, uh, terrible news today. Yeah, and, and a tip of the cap to uh, the Rangers making the right move, bagging that, the Monday's game. Um, I mean, granted, I didn't expect anything else, but the, the right decision to, to cancel the game and, and let the Angels mourn. Yeah, definitely. No, they, they needed to take tonight off. And again, we're still waiting on news, but I'm glad that they're not playing tonight. And, you know, perfect time for the All-Star break to come up and just kind of let this team regroup because they're definitely going to need it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tyler Skaggs gone too soon at the age of 27. Um, so that brings us to our curtain calls for episode 8-7. Uh, why don't you lead us off? So we were talking about him, uh, DJ LeMayhew. And he, we mentioned that his batting title back in 2016 came with the Colorado Rockies in the National League. I will say this. I think DJ Lee Mayhew is going to get the batting title this year in the American League with the New York Yankees, and he'll be the first player ever to win a batting title in both leagues. Hmm. I like that. And I, I can't, argue, can't even argue with it. The one thing I am going to argue with with you, though, is you in the in the batter's box? You kind of tossed him out and said he could be a potential MVP guy. Uh, I'm just gonna tell you right now that won't happen. <laughs> we'll see. And, a lot of baseball left. The the reason I point to that or I say that is because I think in today's MLB, a guy that only hits, I mean he's on pace for 20 or 24 home runs, 25 home runs. I don't think that'll be. Uh, an MVP in today's MLB. The batting title, I'm not going to dispute, though. He's got a right. very good chance at it. Yeah, I'll see. I, I can see what you're saying. Um, I hope that they can take a, a little bit more of a deeper dive into the numbers like we did today and see just they how valuable should, but this will guy they? is. That's, yeah, see, that's that would be my concern, too. And, I mean, we'll see. Uh, the batting title, I, I think, is definitely reachable. But, yeah, that MVP... Again, Mike Trout's still in the league, so he's going to be <laughs> someone you have to compete with. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I love the batting title odds. I will hold out hope for the MVP, though. All right. Um, so my curtain call is that Vladdy Jr. is going to win the Home Run Derby next Tuesday in Cleveland. Ooh. Uh, so you have uh, Pete Alonzo, Vladdy Jr., Carlos Santana, Christian Yelich, Josh Bell, and I'm missing one. Oh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Mm-hmm. I think this. Oh, and there's two spots to be determined. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that this is Vladdy's time to. Obviously, he he's busted onto the scene, uh, but this is his time to show the world that this this guy's got it. He he hits. I you'd be really cool actually, if he has his dad throw. Ooh. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be really cool. But I'm expecting at least two off the scoreboard in Cleveland, and that's uh, only been done twice, um, granted, in-game. But I'm expecting him to hit at least two off the scoreboard. Uh, I love Vladdy Jr.'s swing, and I love watching him hit absolute missiles. And it's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah, I can get behind that one for sure. I, I think that he definitely has the most raw power out of anyone in the Derby this year, so is he your pick as well? Yeah, I, I was. I'm definitely riding those coattails. I think uh, I can count on him to win this like convincingly. I don't think there's going to be too much in the way of Vladdy Jr. doing his thing. All right, so here I'm just going to throw out a few right now. Vladdy Jr. wins it. Mm-hmm. Carlos Santana doesn't make it out of the first round. Uh, Pete Alonso hits a total of 20 in two rounds. I like it. I think it's going to – I honestly think it's going to come down to Alonzo and Vladdy Jr. Oh. I, I like Alonzo a lot. I, For as much as we shit on the Mets, uh, they do have a good young superstar in Pete Alonzo. So I will give them that. They will deliver when it doesn't matter at all in a home run derby. But I, <laughs> I still think that uh, Vladdy Jr. is going to go out and win. Um, so uh, – I shit on myself all the time for my <laughs> uh, for my season-long fantasy roster. Pete Alonzo, give me GM of the year right now. Oh. He, I dominated it. Had him. <laughs> um, 
my other curtain call that is absolutely meaningless is I got the it's Cleveland versus the world in the celebrity softball game. I got Cleveland minus seven and a half. <laughs> I don't know what the exact line is. I just threw one out there. I'm taking Cleveland. Well, you got uh, it. Yeah, but between we're throwing out there. I mean, Jim Tomey is gonna play Travis Kelsey, uh, UFC former champion Stipe Miocic, Joe Thomas former Cleveland Brown, J.R. Smith definitely not showing up in a shirt. Um, Cleveland, there's no way Cleveland loses. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, there's no way Cleveland loses. Or could there be a surprise cameo from Cleveland's favorite and forgotten man, LeBron James? He is not forgotten. Let's put it the end. Let's be, I'm sorry, uh, make that very Cleveland. clear. Yeah. He did forget Cleveland. That is cor- <laughs> that's correct. Um, I don't think LeBron shows up. No, I don't either. That's not at all. But. Uh, but but I, like I digress. That. I like the uh, I like where your heart is with Cleveland minus se- what is it minus seven and a half minus seven and a half, and oh. I'll be in attendance. All right, I will be I will be in attendance for that one. Found found some some cheap tickets. I'll be there for the futures game, and I will be there for celebrity softball. Love it because because that's the highlight of All Star Weekend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Yeah, duh. <laughs> that wraps up episode eight for seven and for tommy caroselli uh thank you guys for listening and be sure to check out end-to-end puck talk the breakdowns hockey podcast so if you're a hockey fan check that out till next time uh i mean go cleveland cleveland versus the world we'll see we'll, and, and go vladdy jr we'll see we'll see how these picks end up after the world destroys cleveland and uh christian yelich wins the home run derby <laughs> till next time see ya